Business 101 How to Choose a Business Idea In this video, I'm going to talk to you about what a good business idea looks like, what a bad business idea looks like, and what to actually look for in a business before you invest many, many years and a lot of money into it. And if you are new here or you haven't been following the series since before, I have many years of business experience. I used to be a consultant and then I started online businesses like affiliate marketing and writing and life math money. This series is about me telling you all the lessons that I have spent many years learning in business. One of the biggest mistakes many entrepreneurs make is starting out in a bad industry and then spending years trying to turn it into a good business. Look, you can't turn chicken shit to chicken salad. So what do I mean when I say a chicken shit business? I mean a business that can't scale, that can't be automated or delegated, a business that has extremely low margins, high regulations, has too much competition or is just too niche to ever be big. And of course, businesses that are pseudo jobs. And there are many, many businesses which are inherently poor businesses, but for one reason or another, they seem to attract many people every single year. Let me discuss a specific example. Restaurants. A lot of wannabe entrepreneurs want to start restaurants. It seems like a decent idea in theory, but most restaurants will fail in their first year. Around 60% of new restaurants fail in their first year of operation, and about 80% fail in about the first five years. So why are restaurants such a bad, brutal business? Firstly, cutthroat competition. The restaurant industry is extremely competitive. Every street in the city has a bunch of restaurants. Online apps will list all of them, and at any given moment, your potential customer can choose from dozens of them. You may think your food is special and your grandma's recipe is better than your competition's grandma's recipe, but that is just a made-up distinction you have in your head. The fact of the matter is that all restaurants across all cuisines are directly competing with each other. There is a fixed maximum market size, that is the number of people living in an area multiplied by how many meals they're willing to eat outside, and all restaurants are just competing for a slice of that pie. Secondly, restaurants are restricted to one location because they are a physical business. They come with all the problems associated with a physical business, that is, they suffer from pandemic-related lockdowns, high costs like rent, limited working hours, you don't make any money while you're sleeping, you reach a small limited area, etc. If you want more on this, check out my previous video on Business 101. Then restaurants require way too much management and can't be automated. Restaurants have too many moving parts like you have to buy all the different ingredients every day to make sure they're fresh, then you have to prepare the kitchen and anticipate what demand will be there in the day, you have to make sure all of your staff shows up on time, you have to make sure the tables are clean, the place is clean, etc. The scope for automation is really low and you as a business owner, needs to, you need to be involved full time into that business. This is really bad because you didn't get what you were seeking from that business. 
you did not get freedom. You just created another job for yourself and a much more stressful one at that. Then there's a problem of low margins. For all the hard work that you do, you don't get to keep that much of the money. All the competition means that your prices are low, high costs like salaries and rent ensure that you're operating on razor thin margins. There's a reason why all the restaurants have their kids washing dishes in the back. And the reason is not that they're trying to inculcate discipline in those kids. They just can't afford labor. And this is especially true for food delivery type restaurants because your customers have 10,000 options to pick from and they are usually very price sensitive. In fact, for most restaurants, food isn't even profitable anymore. They rely on selling people drinks to break even. This is an industry where the primary product they're selling is not profitable. They have to rely on selling secondary products like drinks. And lastly, the restaurants have too much government in interference. Especially if you're in a first world country. You have to deal with all these government inspectors for fire compliance, hygiene compliance and whatever. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I love it as a customer that the restaurant is clean and fire safe. But from a business perspective, it does make business harder, more expensive, etc. Let's discuss another example of bad businesses before we move on to what you should look for in a good business. And this one is professional services like lawyers, doctors, accountants, realtors, and what have you. These are businesses which revolve around some skill or talent of the entrepreneur that is being sold to individual clients. Why are professional services a bad business, you ask? Firstly, they are unscalable. These businesses, while they are easier to start and easy to manage, they have a glass ceiling. They can never make you rich, only well off. This is because the business is unscalable. How many patients can your doctor treat at once? How many cases can your lawyer handle at once? How many teeth can a dentist repair at one time? Not that many, not that many at all. This leads to an upper limit on sales and profits, which is never a good thing. Secondly, this type of business cannot be sold or transferred or passed on to your children. Look, when people hire your firm for professional services, they are not hiring your firm, they are hiring you. This is not really a business, it's self-employment. For example, if your surgeon came up to you a day before your surgery and told you that he sold his practice to another surgeon, would you still go ahead with that surgery? You wouldn't, because you were not hiring brand name Medical Services Incorporated. You were hiring doctor first name, last name. It is literally impossible to sell or transfer this type of business. So remember a golden rule. If your children can't inherit it, it's not a business, it's a job. Finally, this type of business is fundamentally a time for money exchange. These businesses involve exchanging time for money in one way or the other. They lack what you were looking for by starting a business, freedom. You want to disassociate the time you spend and the income you earn. 
That is the only way to live a great life. Becoming a self-employed professional does not accomplish this. What does a good business model actually look like? And before I get into this, I want to point out something very important. Nothing in the list I'm going to say now is written in stone. These are just things to think of and ponder over before you dedicate years of your life and a lot of money to your idea. But just because some idea does not meet everything on this list does not necessarily mean that it's a bad business. So let's get started. Low or no competition. You want an industry with low or no competition or you need to niche down till you get there. A very good book on the importance of avoiding high competition industries is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. The short version is that competition kills profits. All of the most profitable businesses in the world are monopolies. Google, a search engine monopoly. Amazon, an online physical product distribution monopoly. Standard Oil, one of history's richest companies, was also an oil monopoly. Avoid entering businesses with cutthroat competition, and usually these businesses are very easy to spot by their low margins. Examples are web hosting providers, cheap FMCG products, restaurants, etc. And if you do enter a high competition industry, make sure that you pick a niche that is high interest that is not well served by the market. For example, starting a cooking channel or blog that focuses on general cooking is very high competition. Your chances of success are really low. A more niche resource dedicated to say high protein Indian food would do quite well your chances of success are high. This is because there is high demand for the stuff, but the existing resources are not providing enough for this particular segment. Secondly, you want to avoid physical products. I will not bore you to death by asking you to start an online business over and over again. I, I bet you have learned that by now. But you also want to avoid having to deal with physical products. Physical products are a hassle. You have to get them from a manufacturer, ensure they're of good quality, handle returns, ship them, deal with customers claiming the product was never delivered to them. It's a complex thing to have to do and frankly very very annoying. The best businesses are SaaS, that is software as a service, or digital products and services because they have the least hassle and the highest margins. Recurring Revenue You want to start a business that gives you recurring revenue, not just one-time sales. The problem with one-time sales is that you have to focus way too much on marketing to keep attracting new people. Because once you put all the effort in to get a customer, they pay you once and then they're gone. The process has to start again, you have to find another customer now. SaaS products are really good at recurring revenue. Instead of charging you a hundred bucks up front, they will charge you 10 bucks a month. This gives them stable revenues and pays for long-term research and development. It's much, much harder to get rich doing one-time sales than it is to get rich doing recurring subscriptions. 
This is the one thing that's bad about blogging and content creation businesses in general. Most of your product sales are one-time sales. You will not buy the same ebook from me twice. On the other hand, if I was selling SaaS software, you will pay me each month happily. If you want to do content creation, keep this in mind and work on some recurring revenue products like memberships. Point number four. Pick a business that doesn't require too many employees. The more employees you have, the bigger the hassle your business becomes. Employees are generally not self-motivating. You will have to keep pushing them to work harder and harder and harder, and you will have to constantly monitor what they are doing because they will typically not work unless they are being monitored. You also have to review their work to ensure that it's good quality. A business that has Tons of employees was maybe a good thing back in the industrial age because it was necessary for scale. But in the age of software, you really don't need many employees. Software is cheaper, more accurate, has fewer errors and does not need to be managed. Point number five, good margins. And this is very important. You do not want to start a business that has paper thin margins. Bad margins make it really hard for you to take risks or do any R&D. You will stagnate. It also forces you to do unethical things to stay afloat, which is not a good thing at all. You only want to get into businesses that offer good profits and margins for you because you have taken on so much risk and you're putting in all this work. You deserve to get paid. Point number six, low regulation industry. You want to be in an industry which has low regulation so that you have some business flexibility. You don't want to start things like a bank or an NBFC and things of that sort which make you answerable to the government for everything. Avoid having to deal with bureaucrats as much as possible because they will only cause problems. Remember, the government only moves fast when it wants to kill you or to stop you from doing something. It never moves fast when it wants to help you. Highly regulated industries are not great for entrepreneurs and for innovators. They're just good for the incumbents, the people who are already there. Point number seven, scalability. Of everything on this list, this is the most important and is absolutely non-negotiable. Remember when I said that nothing in this list is written in stone? Well, this particular thing is written in stone. Any business that cannot be scaled is absolute garbage and should not be done. You cannot become rich without scale. Doctors practice, not scalable. Selling paintings, not scalable. Selling one-on-one -on -one consultations, not scalable. You're a snake charmer, you charm one snake at a time, not scalable. If you don't see a clear way on how your business can scale, don't waste your time on it. Non-scalable businesses are the absolute worst businesses on the planet because they make just enough money for you to live a good life, but they have no scope of doing anything beyond that. It's like climbing a mountain with the wrong path. You end up halfway and your path ends. So then what do you do? You can either go back down and start again from zero 
or you can just stay here halfway on the mountain. You haven't reached the top, but at least you're halfway there. That is what unscalable businesses are. They are a false path up that stops halfway. Unscalable businesses can never make you real money. They will cost you years of your life and will not lead you where you want to go. Focus on scalability. And if you take only one thing away from this video, let it be this, scale, scale, scale. Amazon is a business where an infinite number of people can buy from them at the same time. It is scalable. Google is a business where an infinite number of people can run their search engine at the same time. It is scalable. LifeMath Money, an infinite number of people can read LifeMath Money articles at the same time. It is scalable. Scale is the most important thing in business. And lastly, point number eight. You want a business that has a large enough market. And this is also closely tied in with scalability and is thus non-negotiable. There needs to be a large enough market for your product. If you want to get anywhere, don't market to ultra small niches like you creating a product to teach Swahili to Hebrew speakers. It's just way too small to be worth much. On the other hand, trying to teach Spanish to English speakers is way more profitable. It's worthy of the time. Make sure that the product isn't so niche that you have, say, 10 people in the world who are interested in it. Keep the addressable market big enough for the business idea to matter. That's all for this piece. This video should have given you a pretty good model on how to evaluate a business idea before you commit years and a lot of money into it. And keep in mind that everything here except scalability is a guideline. If you spot killer opportunities that don't tick everything on the list, take them anyway. And that's all for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this video. If you liked it, please click the like and subscribe button. I would love to hear what you think of it in the comment section below. So click the like button, click the subscribe button, click the notification bell and let me know what you think in the comments. Have a great day and I will see you guys next time. And by the way, if you're interested in starting a Twitter based business from scratch, check out my guide on that, The Art of Twitter. The link is in the description and will be pinned as a comment to this video. Have a great day. I will see you in a couple of days with another video.